Man, was that just an awesome time in the presence of God right there? I'm telling you, that uh, that song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, man, that just takes me back every, every time to that moment I had with Jesus 23 years ago. And, uh, oh, man, I messed up in a good way. All right. But I'm here. Hey, 1122, I w- just want to tell you what an honor it is to be here. And, uh, man, I love your pastor so much. How about giving a big round of applause for Pastor Joby. Where's Joby and Gretchen? I know. They're, they're right, Joby and Gretchen. Let me, let me, I try to, you know, whenever um, I, I give honor to a pastor, I try to really be genuine and sincere and, what, you know, not just, hey, he's a great guy and all that kind of stuff. I, I want to tell you some things that I've noticed in your pastor uh, that are just very, very special. Um, you know, when I, when I first met Joby and, uh, and we began to develop a relationship, the, your, your pastor's uh, hunger to, to, to learn and really, really plant and build a church with, with excellence and, uh, and just want to do every way the right, everything the right way and take care of people the right way. One thing that it's easy to see in Joby, man, he loves people. He loves people, and he loves what he does. And, and I just want to say to all of you that attend 1122, and maybe some of you are kind of on the outskirts. You've started coming some, and, and but you're not really plugged in. Listen, I cannot think of a better church to plug in, get your family involved, get committed, and, and get under great leadership than right here at 1122. And... and uh, I want to let you know that as far as uh, Celebration Church, and man, I, I'm just so glad that y'all are here. I'm so glad to, you know, Joby and I have developed a great relationship, and, and uh, it's just great to have another church that you can do life with in the, in the same city. It's great to have a, a, a close friend who's also a pastor. You know, the way kind of churches, you know, we're, of course, we're all supposed to be in unity, and, you know, we're all friends with one another, but, you know, it's just like the friends that you hang out with. I mean, you can't be really close friends with everybody. God just has to do that. How many of you know what I'm saying? You've got to connect with that person, and, and that's the great thing. I mean, I'm friends with a lot of pastors and churches in town, but really, until Joby came along, it's finally, man, here's a pastor that I can really connect with. Here's a, here's a church that we can really do things together because there's a like-mindedness. And so I just want to let you guys know, I thank God for you guys every day when I pray for the city of Jacksonville. And Jacksonville is such a better place now with 1122 here. And it's just, yeah, give God a hand. And how about, how about this, man? The, the one-year birthday is this Sunday, right? Th- this Monday, one year. Look what God has done in a year. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, wow, man, we, I mean, after a year, we had like 200 people. We were like hanging, hanging uh, like potted plants on basketball goals to try to have a, a service, man. It was like, I mean, what you got, what God has done and the favor of God on your church and what he's done in just one year, and it's just amazing. I want to congratulate you. I want to congratulate Pastor Joby and Gretchen, and I could just go on and on. I know I sound like I'm, I'm rambling, but I'm telling you, man, it's a big deal. It's a big deal what God's done here at 1122 and, and such the favor of God. And you guys are part of something special. And so just dive in and give it, give it all 
that you've got. Amen? And uh, hey, thanks. Uh, also, man, going through, going through uh, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, how many of y'all are ready to eat on Sunday? Yeah. How many of you have been fantasizing about this meal for like, you know, maybe not for 21 days, but for like 19 or 18, you've been fantasizing about the meal, how you're going to break the fast, man. I'm telling you, God's just, just wait, just wait till day 22. And, and you'll, you'll celebrate with a meal and all of that, but wait till you start to experience and really be able to process all that God did in you this season. And I commend you for that. Well, awesome. You already have a great time in the Word. I'm, I'm, I'm just hope I can build an ad on what's already been going on here at the, at the revival. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and take them out. And uh, now I'm going to ask you to go... I know that Pastor Joby is a preacher of the word, but I'm going to take you to a really obscure scripture in the Bible that it's one of those real kind of rare, obscure scriptures. You've not, you might not have heard of it, and uh, probably Pastor Joby hasn't mentioned it, but uh, it's in there. I want you to go to John 3.16. John 3.16. One of those really unfamiliar yet powerful passages of scripture. I'm going to read from the New King James here. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man, I want to really kind of unpack and and dive into the simplicity yet enormity of this scripture that we're probably all very, very familiar with. And I've entitled this message, 25 Words or Less. 25 Words or Less. Father, thank you so much for Pastor Joby, the incredible staff team, Lord, 1122, all that you're doing. And God, in these nights of revival, and as we kind of head toward this one-year celebration, God, we just say to you be the glory. We lift up Jesus. Jesus is who we're celebrating tonight. We just thank you for your goodness that you're going to speak to us through the word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen Amen and amen. I just need to get something out here right off the bat, okay? I I know it's college football season and all that. I need to make it clear that I am an LSU Tiger fan, all right? So right there, you're just going to have to get over it. You're going to have to go to Jesus. The Bible says forgive those who have offended you. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I actually was uh, born in New Orleans. I grew up in South Louisiana in Cajun land. I went to LSU, and uh, I, I didn't come from a Christian home. You know, we, went to, we were Christians, and we went to church on Easter and Christmas and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't a God-centered home. And so, um, you know, I really got into the party lifestyle and got into drugs and all that, and then, then I went to LSU. And, and, but when I went to LSU, however, I did make a couple of really good, wise Decisions. The first really wise decision I made was I chose to join the wildest fraternity on campus. Yes. So I joined the wildest fraternity on, on campus. I mean, it was, it was bad, man. I mean, since it's been like shut down for bad stuff. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So, so, so I made that really good decision. And then I, I compounded that good decision with another really good decision. I chose to work at the wildest bar on campus. I was a, a bouncer. 
What are y'all laughing at? What are you? <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. I might have it sagging now, but back in the day, I had it going on. You hear me? I got pictures, man. But I, I was a bouncer, and I was working at this bar, and I had, I had big goals, big dreams, hopes, aspirations, you could say, because I wanted to go from being a bouncer to being a, a bartender. That was it. That was my life stream. How many of you remember that, that movie with Tom Cruise back in like 1990? Uh, uh, what was it? Cocktail. Remember? Come on, raise your hand if you've seen Cocktail. All right, I want to make sure I'm in the right church. And don't give me any of those Christian, you know, hand raises, like, kind of like a half hand raise and you got to justify it. You know, I saw that movie was a long time ago, like. Before I knew Jesus, you saw it last night. But man, Tom Cruise, you know, doing the flipping, you know, making the drinks and doing all that, and the ladies' man and all that, 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 that was me. That's what I wanted to become. I'm so glad that God had a different dream for my life and a different plan for my life. And right in the middle of all that craziness, I surrendered my life to Jesus. The blood of Jesus, just like that song, washed away all my sins. And God had a different plan for my life. And I, I experienced the love of God in a really, really powerful way. And but before I move on, I, I, I do have to say this, though. One of the things that really bothered me about, you know, school and college in general, how many of you have, were, have ever been frustrated on those tests? You know, they'd give you a test, and it would be like a history test, and they'd be like, you know, explain the global, global economic impact, uh, you know, the, uh, after World War II in 25 words or less. Remember those kind of test or like it's some big you know explain you know Einstein's theory of you know time and space and all this kind of stuff in 25 words or less that used to so frustrate me like it was like here's this enormous subject and I've got to finally try to boil this thing down to 25 words or less well now I realize what school was preparing me for Twitter I get it now. I mean, finally, something from college I can use. <laughs> 25 words or less. Now, how many of you are on Twitter? Do I, do I have a, a few people on Twitter? Raise your hand. Listen, I, I encourage you to get on Twitter, not to waste time on it, but to, like, follow your pastor on it. I follow Pastor Joby on it. I follow, there's some great uh, uh, people and, and Christians out there to follow. I encourage you to, to you know, you can follow me on Twitter, but if you want me to follow you, I just need to let you know right now, you need to understand Twitter etiquette. You know, I had this good friend of mine, you know, the, the, uh, he, you know she was like, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, and, and I was like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you on Twitter. I'll start following her on Twitter. She's actually a friend of my wife's sister way back. I follow her on Twitter, and she's like, I'm on my way to Starbucks. I'm pulling into Starbucks. I'm walking into Starbucks. I'm fifth in line. I'm fourth in line. I'm third. I'm second. I'm, I, I got my Starbucks. Oh, my God. I'm unfollowing your behind. Twitter is not so because we need to know every single detail of your life. Twitter was designed for you to take 
a, a, a concept, a truth, a statement, or what, you know, whatever you want, and just try to boil it down in those 25 words and communicate it to people. Well, believe it or not, here in John 3.16, we have a statement, a, a, a statement so simple yet, yet so enormous. When you think about this statement that Jesus makes here, the, 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 the enormity of this statement where he is simplifying the totality of God's redemptive plan for man from past all the way to future, revealing the heart of God, the plan of God, the will of God, the totality of salvation. Here God boils this statement down to 25 words. In fact, in almost all of your translations in John 3, 16, if you count it, it is exactly 25 words. If you tweet John 3, 16, out of the King James, New King James, several of the versions, when it's, uh, uh, Twitter is 140 characters, which averages out to 25 words. If you tweeted John 3, 16, as soon as whoever believes in him have everlasting life, when you hit the period, it is zero. It is exactly 25 words, 140 characters. See, social media can't outsmart God. God knew long before there was ever a Twitter that there needed to be a statement out there in 25 words or less. Here's what I believe. I believe that if God could send one tweet to all mankind today, he would tweet John 3:16, the enormity. Yet the simplicity of that scripture, but here's what has happened, especially in America, man. It's like we take John 3.16 for granted. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like John 3.16. We, we've gotten so familiar with it, especially like in sporting events. You know, there's always a person with a sign, John 3.16. How many of you know what I'm, I'm talking about? I'm always convicted because I'm, I'm like a big college football fan. So, I mean, there's been several games, you know, where like, like LSU's winning and the other team's lining up to kick the winning field goal. And I'm like rooting against the kicker. You know, like, just slip. I hope you sprain your ankle. Maybe your girlfriend broke up with you last night. You know what? <laughs> miss it. Miss it. And then the camera raises between the goalposts. And then there's some Christian holding up John 3.16. <laughs> to remind me how carnal I'm being. I have to ask God to forgive me, and I still hope he slips or <laughs> something like that happens. But here's, are you ready for this? How many of you remember, remember that guy who made it famous in all the uh, sporting event arenas like back in the 70s, the Rainbow Man? How many of you remember the, the Rainbow Man? He's who made John 3.16 famous. He would show up at all these sporting events, and he had this, this big rainbow wig fro and he would have the John 316 and he made that uh, famous all throughout uh, America the, the unfortunate thing is that is that he was crazy <laughs> like not like crazy yeah he's already crazy for doing that you know not like you know some of your you were crazy your family's crazy how many of you know everybody has at least one crazy family <laughs> remember now now if you didn't raise your hand in your family? Because every family's got at least one. I'll see some of you are like, yes, it's him, yes. He 
was really crazy. He actually ended up taking some hostages. Took some hostages. He's, he's currently serving three life sentences. And I thought about that. You know, if there's any scripture that the enemy would want to discredit or us become too familiar with, it would be John 3.16. Because of the, of the power and the enormity of what that simple statement that Jesus made, what the, the incredible beauty of it. And that's why I am so glad, whether you're a Gator fan or not, that Tim Tebow made John 3.16 cool again. I mean, it was always cool. But Tim, like, revived it. You know, it, it, Tim spoke at our church back in, uh, back in um, God, when did he speak? It was like back in March. He spoke at our, at our church back in March, and, uh, I mean, he told an amazing story. First of all, I just got to tell you this. When Tim was back in the green room, he was, uh, like, going over his notes, and he kind of turned, we were talking, then he kind of turned his back to me, and he was kind of leaning over, kind of out of balance, getting his notes, and, and I just, as soon as he did that, I saw he's kind of off balance. I ran as fast as I could, and I tackled him. <laughs> and he said, what's wrong with you? I said, listen, man, I watched LSU play you for four years. And never, never once did I see them tackle you. So I just wanted to, I'm sorry, Tim, you're a Christian. You got to forgive me, you know. But Tim, he, he told an amazing story about how this whole John 3, 16 how, how it all happened. It was like God really spoke to him. Now, if you're a Gator fan, you remember Tim wore Philippians 4.13 under his eye blacks. That was his thing at Florida. Philippians 4.13 under his eye, eye blacks. He wore that all, all season. And then when they got to the national championship uh, game against Alabama, we won't talk about Alabama. Lord Jesus. Okay. He got the national championship against Alabama. The night before the game, he was praying, and he said God spoke to him to not wear Philippians 4.13, but to wear John 3.16 under his eye blacks. So he was saying, like, you know, Coach Meyer, everything's, you know, rigid and structure, and you go with the plan, and you stick with the system and all this stuff. So he knew he was going to have to go tell Coach Meyer, like, you know, I'm changing my eye blacks. So he goes to uh, Coach Urban Myers. He's like, I just want to let you know, Coach, you know, I've been wearing Philippians 4.13, but, but in tomorrow's game, I'm going to wear John 3.16. And he said, Coach Meyer looked at him and said, What? Are you kidding me, Tim? No way, man, no way. It is Philippians 4.13 that got us to this game. And it's Philippians 4.13 that's going to take us to the top. Tim's like, listen, Coach, John 3.16 is a good scripture too. Just trust me, just trust me. He was like, all right. So he wore John 3.16 on his eye blacks, January 8th. That night, Florida wins the game. That night, are you ready for this? John 3.16 was Googled over 94 million, million times. 94 million times. Fast forward three years later, Tim's arguably his best game ever as an NFL quarterback. The Denver Broncos are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Watch, exactly three years later, 
to the day, January 8th. We know the significance of the number three in the Bible. Tim, quarterback for the Broncos, many of you might remember the game, incredible win. They, they, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, but here's something you might not have heard about that game. When they went over the stats from the game, are you ready for this? First of all, Tim threw for a career-high 316 yards. He set an NFL record of yards per completion at 31.6. The announcers and everybody agreed that the turning point of the game was Ben Roethlisberger's interception on third and 16. The Steelers' time of possession, you could probably guess it, was 31 minutes and 6 seconds. And CBS's overnight rating, when Tim threw that touchdown pass at the end of the, their overnight rating was 31.6. Don't you tell me that's a coincidence. If you know football and you know stats, that is a, that is a modern day sign and wonder. But here's the, the next, here, here's the greater thing. Are you ready for this? That night, even though Tim couldn't wear John 3.16 on his eye, eye blacks because the NFL didn't allow you to write stuff on your eye blacks because he had become known as the John 3.16 quarterback, John 3.16 was once again Googled over 90 million times. 90 million. Church, here's what I'm trying to say. We might be familiar with John 3.16, but there is a world out there that is starving for the love of God, that wants to know who Jesus is, that wants to experience his love, that wants to understand what John 3.16 means. And if we're going to be in revival, we got to be a John 3.16 church. And that's what I love about your pastor, man. He, he's no show. He's not in it for a social club. He's not in it to go through the motions. Joby and 1122 and this leadership team, they are in it for Jesus to win souls, to spread the love of God, to be a John 316 church. So what I want to do in our next few moments is I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I can unpack this and just give us some fresh perspective and kind of in this revival and in this 21 days, kind of bring John 3.16 to kind of a fresh perspective in our hearts because only God's love can save and change this world. Religion can't do it. Good works can't do it. Good education can't do it. Good government can't do it. Those things can help. But our problem is sin. And the solution is the love of God through Jesus Christ. And the church, our purpose, while we are here, if you just get it down to the foundational purpose, it's to glorify Jesus. And the way that we glorify Him is by being vessels of his love. Come on, 1122. We're going to be a John 3.16. Let me, let me just kind of break this down real quick. Let me just, in, in three sections, go back to John 3.16. Look at the first part of it. For God so loved the world 
This shows God's heart. For God so loved the world. Right here in this scripture, we see God's heart. I want to let you know, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter where you are from, listen, God's heart is for you. He loves you. The scripture starts off with with you. For God so loved the world. And that word world, it's not the corporate sense of the world. It's uh, the plural sense of an individual. If it's like I said, I love my kids. It's not like kids out there saw the kids. It's like, no, it's my kids. It's just the plural of their individuality. Here's what that means. You could take out world and you could just write your name in that space. You know why Jesus came? For God so loved you. So of all, what does that mean? We don't, we don't understand what love is in this generation. We know what God's love, it's, 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 it's hard for us to comprehend, but the first part of this verse gives us a little bit of insight into that. You notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say God loved the world. It says God so loved the world. And I started thinking, man, what does that word so mean? What is that like? Does it mean we love the world a lot? Like, what, what does that mean? So I studied that in the, the Greek and the context of the language. And what it basically says is the only way you can understand what so means is to have an understanding of the word that precedes it. Because so takes on, listen to this, the characteristic and the magnitude of the word that precedes it. For God so loved. The word that precedes so here is God. So in describing love, the only way we can understand God so loved the world, so takes on the characteristic and magnitude of the word that precedes it. The only way we can have a comprehension of how much God loves us or how, how great is God's love for us is to have a comprehension of how great God is himself. In other words, I mean, how much does God Love you, how, how, how great is God's love for you? Well, well, how great is God himself? God is infinite. I mean, God, God is omniscient. God is all-powerful. There is no end to God himself. Therefore, there is no end to his love for you. We've always said nothing compares to God. Yes, one thing does, and that's his love. For God is love. He loves you so much. The only way we can understand how great his love is for, you, for us is to understand how great God is himself. Man, that's love. That's why God can say, I've removed your sins as far as the east is from the west and mean it and do it. East from west is infinite. God is infinite. Listen, do not ever question God's love for you. You might say, well, Stovall, if God loves me so much, why am I going through this struggle? Why did I have this, this issue? Why did my marriage fall apart? Why did so-and-so die? Why did I, 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 I lose this loved one? Why am I experiencing so much pain? Listen, never judge God's love for you based on your current circumstance or your past circumstances. Always base God's love for you by what Jesus did on that cross over 2,000 years ago. That is the standard. That is the proof of His love for you. Well, Stovall, why does God love me so much. I mean, why, why does he love me so much? Because he wants to. It says, Lord, by your pleasure, 
we were created. You know that if God didn't love you so much, He wouldn't have created you? He created you just so you could experience His love. That's God's greatest desire. And that's so hard for us to understand as human beings because in our interpersonal relationships as humans, there's, there's most of the time there's some kind of agenda attached. Like, you know, I'm going to do this for you and you do this for me. And that's, I, I find that as a pastor, a lot of people, they, like they, they, when they're coming to Christ, it's kind of like, what's the catch? Like, what, what's, what's the catch? Okay, I serve God and, you know, what, what's the catch here? There, there is no catch. God has no agenda other than you just experience his love. Listen, God is not lonely. God's not looking for friends. Like, <laughs> he's the all-sufficient one. God is great and just fine all by himself. He's the great I am. Why did he send Jesus? Why did Jesus go through all that trouble? Why did Jesus die on the cross? For you. It's, it's like the closest thing I can kind of compare it to is, is um, how many of you, I know some of you guys are thinking about this, especially this Sunday when the fast ends. How many of uh, you guys like to grill, man, cook outside? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Grill, man. I mean, when it gets colder, make a fire. Something about a man in his fire. You know what I'm saying? Just, it's not even cold. My wife's like, why are you making a fire? I'm like, because I'm just making one. Gonna burn something, man. <laughs> just like, just like grilling, smoking stuff. I love piling so much charcoal and wood in my smoker. I'm telling you, they almost called the fire department on me one time. My wife's like, "What are you? What is all this smoke out here? What are you smoking?" I'm like, "I don't know yet. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Just give me a while." One of the things that I love to do as a dad is I love to go out and make a fire and, and cook for my kids. I have three children, Kaylin, Stovey, and Annabelle. I love them having their friends over, and we've got like a fire pit in our backyard, and I, I got my grill. And one of my favorite things to do, especially as it gets cooler, and, and, you know, this time of year in the fall and winters, they have all their friends over. And, man, it's like they don't even notice what I'm doing. But I'm trying to create this experience for them. You know, I get the fire going. I get all the s'mores stuff set out. You know, my, my littlest one, Annabelle, she loves s'mores and all that. And I'm here, she's leading her friends to the backyard. She's like, oh, my daddy, he's going to have all the s'mores stuff out. We're gonna, we're, and, and I'll get on the grill and I'll be cooking all kind of stuff. Now, my kids think that they're hamburgers, but it's really ground venison meat. <laughs> Holla. That you talk about like Joby and I, we really are brothers. <laughs> once, once we understood the dynamic of other things of this relationship, it, it was a match made in heaven. We, <laughs> so I've got all my stuff and I'm cooking. I love serving them food and I bring it out to their friends and, and they'll eat. They're like, oh, this is so good. Oh, this is, this is so good. And I hear them say, oh, my daddy's the best cook and, and I just keep cooking them and giving them stuff and one of my favorite things to do is when Annabelle is, and her friends are out there in the, uh, doing the s'mores with the fire is when the fire starts to go out you know like the fire starting to go out and, and, and I'll be just kind of hanging around and all of a sudden I hear daddy daddy help the fire's going out 
What? What's that, girls? Is the fire going out? Don't worry, girls. Dad is here to save the day. Get the wood on it. Get the fire going. Like they, you know, they've, they got everything going to get. Now, now, if they would ever ask me, which they never have, but if they ever did, Dad, why are you doing all this? Why are you cooking all this stuff and all this kind of? My honest answer, if I think about it, it's just for you. I don't, I don't have an agenda. I just, I want you to enjoy our home, and, and I want you to be happy, and I, this is just for you. And it's so sad that so many of us as followers of Christ when we think about God and His love, we just can't comprehend that God's saying it's, it's just for you. Have you ever, think about it, have you ever had anybody really love you just for you? Now you might say, well, my spouse does. And, and, and that, but listen, your spouse does not know everything that you think. Your spouse does not know everything that you've ever done. That might change a few things with them, but you know what? There's someone that it will never change. His love. And that's Jesus. He loves you for who you are and everything that He's done on the cross and everything. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He has no agenda but you to experience his love that's the so love of God come on will you start receiving that tonight I I want to say this too listen the Bible says that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and I, I just feel this this is I just this was not planned I just kind of feel this Right now, there's some of you, and the enemy has had a real, there's a stronghold there about about some guilt, about some shame, about some things that have happened. And I just want to let you know that God would say to you tonight that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And the blood of Jesus has washed away all of those sins. And God's saying to you, will you just receive my love? Receive my love. And that condemnation is going to be broken. In Jesus' name. You're going to walk out of here a different person tonight. So God so loved. Here we see God's heart. The next Part of that verse that he gave his only begotten son. Here's his plan. Okay, so God has this incredible love for us. So how do we experience that? That's amazing. So how do I experience God's love? For God so loved you. Here's how you experience experience it. That he gave his only son. That's God's plan for you to experience his love. But here's the thing about God's plan. God's plan is not a program. It's a person. 
It's Jesus. And it's real interesting, those 25 words in John 3, 16, isn't it interesting that the very center of that verse, the word right in the center is Son. There's 12 words on one side. There's 12 words on the other side. We know that 12 in the Bible, it represents the number of government. Here's what God is saying. If you, if, if, if you really want the kingdom of God and the joy of God and the strength of God, if you want that, you've got to make the sun the center of your life. He's in the center. Now you might say, well, 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 Stovall, like, like, man, well, I thought there was, there was no agenda. L listen, there is no agenda. There is no program, but there is a person. And that person is Jesus. And, and he's got to be the center of our life. You, you, you were created for God to fill you. See, we're creatures of overflow. This is the thing about human beings. Listen, you're going to worship something. That's how you were made. We're creatures of overflow. Whatever you fill up on, that's what's going to flow out of you. You following me? You fill up on porn, you fill up on bad stuff, lust is going to flow out. You fill up on co uh, greed, covetousness is going to flow out. But here's the good thing. You fill up on God, love is going to flow out. You fill up on God, joy is going to flow out. You fill up on God, peace is going to flow out. We're creatures of overflow. We're going to worship something. And here's the thing. We will eventually become like what we worship. That's why in the story of Lazarus, in the, in, in, when, when, when they're in hell, there was, there was Lazarus and the other guy, they just called him the rich man. He didn't have a name. He didn't have a personality. He was just the rich man. Why was he called that? Because he worshipped money all his life and he just eventually took on the identity of what he worshipped. Church, it's in times like these, these revivals, fasting, prayer, where God will speak to us and bring us to a moment of decision. And I just ask to, for you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you tonight. Is there something that's at the center of your life other than Jesus? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Here's the thing. The Bible doesn't say don't seek things. It just says don't seek them first. It's fine to be blessed. It's fine to be wealthy. It's fine to have stuff and it's good. All that kind of stuff. But you can, you can seek those things. But don't seek them first. You've got to seek God first. And then the final thing here. Jesus is at the center. This is my favorite. I love this. That whoever, the last thing here, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't y'all love the whoever's of the Bible? Aren't you glad that Jesus is not exclusive but he's inclusive? Aren't you glad that Jesus tonight, he's saying this, he's saying, look, he's saying whoever. I don't care who you are, what you've done. Here's what I always say about about. Church, listen, don't worry about what you've done. I promise you, there is somebody probably sitting pretty close to you that's done a lot worse than you have. 
It doesn't matter who you are, don't matter what, doesn't matter what you've done. It, 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 it's the whoever. I want to ask you tonight, are you one of the whoever's? Because believe in him, you will have everlasting life. God says, look, you, you believe so you can belong. And especially in America, a lot of times we think that believe, it's like, you know, we, 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 it's like when we say we believe something, it's kind of like a mental, you know, a, a, it's just like a mental thing. You know, like we believe the Jags will win. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. I got, you know, just believe. I, it don't matter where I believe or not for that. It ain't, you know. But we kind of use believe like, you know, kind of like a wish. You know, we go to SeaWorld, Shamu, just believe. Aren't y'all tired of all these, all these shows and everything copying the Bible? I'm telling you, man, how many things you go out there, you know, all things are possible to those who believe. That's not for Shamu. That was for Jesus. Shamu be ripping from the Bible. Come on, man. Give Jesus some credit. But really, the Bible word for believe, it's more like our modern word for trust. And there's a big difference between trust and believe. You know, like if you were a pilot, you know, like you just got your pilot's license and you're, you know, like going to fly for the first time, like, you know, a jet. And you're like, hey, Pastor Stovall, I just got my pilot's license. I'm going to take off in a jet for the very first time. You know, there's a lot of storms out there. But, man, it's going to be awesome. Why don't you come with me? I'll be like, no, man, I think I'll sit this first one back. You know what I'm saying? Well, well Stovall, don't you believe I can do it? Yes, I believe. I believe you can do it. Go head on. All right. I'll... That's believe. I do. I believe he got his license. He went through. I believe he can do it. But that's not trust. That's not what this believe word's talking about. See, if that pilot would come to me and say, hey, man, I'm going up on my first flight. Do you believe I can do it? And I said, yeah. He said, well, will you ride with me? If I said yes, man, that's trust. That's trust. That's what Jesus is talking about here, and there's many. Maybe you've kind of been believing. You're coming to 1122, man. It's been great. It's like, man. But God in this revival wants to take you from that mental belief to that deep trust. He wants to take you from Jesus being part of your life to the center of your life. He wants to take his love and the reality of that love from like, yeah, I know God loves me to, man, I can't believe how much God loves me. John three sixteen, his heart, his plan, and his will all for you. Father, we thank you for such a powerful statement that Jesus made in the 16th chapter of John. And Lord, right now, just thank you for the privilege of being in this awesome church and this awesome revival, Lord. And God, I know that you want to do something special tonight. Church, here's what I'm going to ask real quick. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to just ask you just to get intimate with God right now.
And I want to ask a couple of things. First of all, if you'd be honest with yourself, you'd be honest with yourself and you'd say, you know, Stovall, Jesus, he's been part of my life, but I don't know if he's truly been the center. I don't know if I'm really living John 3.16 with Jesus at the center. And perhaps maybe there's something that you know other than God that's at the center of your life. And you'd say, so I just want to be honest before the Lord tonight. I want to, I want to surrender. I want to make Jesus the center. Because I want to experience this great love that you're talking about. I want John 3.16 not to just be something that I see on television in a sports arena, a sign being held up, or on a wrist tag or a bumper sticker. I want to live John 3.16 every day. I'm not talking about whether you're a Christian, whether you come to church or anything like that. You just say, Stovall, I need to make Jesus the center. I need to go from believe to really trusting. If that's you, would you just slip up a hand right wherever you are? And I just, yes, 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 yes. Wow, so many hands going up. It's not for me, it's for God. Lift them high. No one's looking around. I just want to include you. In this prayer right now, so many hands are up. Father, we thank you for tonight. Wow. Lord, we thank you for John 3.16. And Lord, right now you see all the hands of the, the precious people who are saying yes to you, Jesus. Jesus, you being the center of our lives. And God, we just thank you for the love that we're going to experience. Lord, we thank you that it's all for us that you have no agenda. You just want us to enjoy your love. And God, we just give you all the thanks and all the praise. Seal in our hearts tonight. John 3.16. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on, let's all stand to our feet right now. Let's just keep an attitude of worship. Let's just seal in our hearts what God's done is we go into this song. Thank you, Jesus.